0: Welcome to a Gem of a Secret podcast. My name's Donna. And my name is Coco, Jim Holiday, And with us,
1: our special guests for our podcast live. Let's you
2: now Astrid.
0: Yay.
1: Yay! Give it up for Astrid everybody in the audience. Uh, oh my goodness. We are so excited. So we are recording on, on the scene, on live. Yeah. Here at
0: the Queen's Head PDX. Yeah. We're really excited to be here. You can kind of get the ambiance of being in a nice little bar here in downtown Portland. And our mics are really picking up everything, huh?
1: Yeah, they pick up absolutely everything. I can't <laughs> wait for that person in the back of the room to cough. And it's going to be like a whole journey.
0: We'll make sure that we credit you <laughs> for the cough. <laughs>
1: absolutely. So this is the first one that we're doing here at the Queen's Head, and we're so excited. And um, so we finally get to do this live now. But Donna, what are you wearing? Uh, this, I've.
0: Leg. Well, I'm actually wearing something this time. I'm dressed up as <laughs> I am dressed up as Horrible Peck um, because I'm wearing fishnets and heels. So it's Horrible Peck, not Horrible Peck. Get it? I, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was really clever with that description, I'm but <laughs> no, that's good. Um, I am
1: wearing. God, I'm, like, looking down because I'm, like, getting
0: dressed
1: in <laughs> hard for me this um, I am wearing a blue caped gown with, like, kind of this, like, like I actually don't know what this, is, this style is called. It's kind of just, like, wavy, like, natural black hair. Um,
2: it's a loose curl.
1: It's a loose curl, yeah. And then I have a choker on around my neck, and then some really rushed makeup and flat boots. So.
0: <laughs> you look gorgeous. Thank you. So as we do with all
1: of our interview episodes, we want to get to know somebody in our community who means a lot to us. So Astrid, let's start off with one. What are your pronouns? They them. They them. Okay, and then you do have a performer name too, don't you?
2: Kiss my Astrid. I
1: love that name. Wait, that is the actual. I thought it was like kiss me. Nope, no. kiss my Astrid. <laughs> I like how they looked at me and they said kiss my Astrid. <laughs> oh my goodness. So let's get to a hot topic immediately here. So um, one of the things, so this episode will be coming out a week after like the Supreme Court um, draft had been released, and actually in our previous episode we kind of spoke about that. Um, but I want to know what was your thoughts when you learned that the Supreme Court of the United States is potentially going to overturn Roe v. Wade, which you know gives um, which gives people the right to
2: I was shook, I had to like turn off my phone immediately. I was like, let me just not look at this for (laughs) a second process. There's already a lot going on in the world as it is. And now there's this, which kind of ramps up things. It's in the communities around us. This brings back a lot of like tension between the race wars that are happening as well. And you're starting to see a lot of tension in minuscule interactions, whether you're at the store trying to buy something or you're driving around and there's people in big trucks like giving you that eye contact and, and saying it's hard enough in all of the boxes also to exist and know that these people don't want that on a basic level.
1: Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can, I vary I those sentiments a lot. Um, I work for a very conservative company, um, and I I know that I feel really isolated in how my thoughts and impressions were about you know the announcement and everything like that. And of course, you don't talk about those subjects at work, but there's like a pulse, right? That you can yeah. like you can kind of like feel that pulse in your bones when you're going into a space about whether or not people actually agree with you or are hurting inside. Um, like I said this online like yesterday, I was like crying all day yesterday for no reason for actually for a lot of different reasons but I felt like the world feels heavy right I
2: can I can feel that you kind of brace for impact and feel that underlying community tension
1: yeah
0: um do you think that tension that you were speaking about earlier is unique to where we're at being in Portland having um Vancouver so close and kind of being in a city that is surrounded by a lot of rural smaller ideas
2: Kind of, yeah. The, yeah.
0: A few years ago, it
2: was a big place where Trump literally sent tanks through here, and we were dealing with the riots, and we're dealing with Proud Boys and the white supremacists, and those groups are here. Those people that you're interacting with each day in a car might also be so-and-so's cousin, or so-and-so's cop, or so-and-so's in the Nazi group, Yeah. and you have to watch out with where you're going, or where, like, if people are following you, or if you're how you're interacting and but you also have to not be afraid to live. This is also the reason these things are important and the arts are important. We should be able to to live and exist in our powers. And that's threatening. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And one thing that kinda so for our listeners out there who might be tuning in recently, so me and Donna, we live in Portland, Oregon, but the Proud Boys are actually originated out of Vancouver, Washington, which is actually the, a lot of people don't know this. It's actually very close uh, to Portland. Uh, even though Portland is an incredibly liberal city and woke slash fake woke at the same time, it the, the Proud Boys are literally over the bridge. Like I mean, that's that was the basis of where they come from. And so the Proud Boys, whenever there's a whenever there's like something happening in the world or in the community or whatever, the Proud Boys are usually around.
0: Yeah, not like too far away. Yeah, they're not too far away,
1: and they and you can spot them easily because the way that they dress and how they act and how they respond. Um, and this isn't to say, um, and there is obviously subgroups like just white supremacists as a whole that might not dress in like proud boys clothing or things like that or carry their shields and whatever. So just something to consider um, for all of our new listeners that that is kind of the makeup of our scene when it comes to some of these issues.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So one thing I want to know, so um, we were talking about this before the episode started about you existing, like, um, walking in your neighborhood and things like that. Do you want to like either relay that story again or do you want to like kinda just do an overarching thing about that story?
2: Um, So lately I've been feeling the ramp up that we've been talking about. Um, One of the things that had happened is we went out for coffee and came back and there were nails right in between both, behind both tire spots. And you can tell that it was very intentional. Um, And then the other night, when we were just driving to a plaid pantry and parking and getting ready, a person in obvious regalia, the mask, everything you can tell, is someone who is a Nazi. And they're revving their engine at us. And as my partner is getting out, they were like, oh, you and your bitch don't like that? Immediately aggressive and intentional in a harmful way. And then also did some weird like knocking situation on the window with a, a ring. And you can tell that there was intention and harm there. So we left the situation immediately to go to a different plaid pantry and just kind of reassess because we just needed some snack and juice and wanted to get home.
1: Yeah. Gosh, that is literally terrifying. And
2: it's frustrating because of the way we present in our power together by being too powerful fems and queers and different embodiments of how that is along the non-binary lines and also POC. Seeing two people like that is powerful. So that is also yeah. in a way threatening.
1: Do you think, so obviously because this is an audio platform, can you uh, talk about your, uh, your ethnicity and your race just so folks know as well?
2: I am mixed white and black. Black dominant, um, and I am trans non-binary, masculine femme presentation, fluid. Yeah.
1: and I, I think that's really important for some of the stories because when obviously um, Ashford's walking with her partner. Um,
2: I also wear my fro out often.
1: Yeah huff your friends so much, by the way. Thank I love, you. I love it. So My much.
2: partner loves to make sure, it also, it's like, sometimes when I get out of the car and it's, like, matted, they're like, oh, let me just get that for you oh. so your crown is <laughs> looking right. <Yeah.
1: laughs> My husband does that for me. They're like, wait, you're not you got a little damn with the car. Yeah, but <laughs> they, they're fixing
2: the crown. They do it right. <laughs> oh, I love that.
1: And I, and here's the thing, too, and I know that um, from across the street, like, there wouldn't be, especially because of 'cause you normally wear your fro, like people see you as like a black woman and things like that. And then if you're hanging out with your partner in whatever, like regardless of our gender identities, these are people who view us outwardly, like our are, are presenting for us. Right. And so that's even more intimidating, especially because you were talking, there were men, right? That were yeah. doing these actions. These are like,
2: cis white men. Right, because men are garbage.
1: And <laughs> and what's also really hurtful and really scary about that situation is that they didn't know your story. It's not like you got out of the car and you're like, well, let's create, like, some scene here to say our queerness or to say our vibes or our gender identity. You're like, I'm going to, like, probably pick up some smokes at a flat pantry. Like, why is this all? <laughs> yeah. Why is this And some juice,
2: because I'm about to have cotton milk.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I want
2: my snack and my juice. That's all. Leave me alone. And yeah. I'll be happy about it. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it is It is kind of really disgusting, too. I remember, I remember during the...
1: Part of my stand-up said I always say that the weekend I moved here was the weekend of the Proud Boys rally, which it was. And I remember walking down downtown Portland and seeing Proud Boys and and I was driving for Uber at the time, so a lot of people were getting dropped off at the rally. Um, obviously no Proud Boys in my car, but like a lot of people who were like, you know, fighting against them and stuff like that. And I remember feeling so unsafe in my skin. So even though like out of drag, um, I don't know how much of a gay face or gay voice I may or may not have but I wasn't really concerned about my safety and just existing without even being able to present to the world who I was but even so when I got when people got in my car because you know they don't get in and their shields and their hats and whatever right. like my voice was like lower and you, I you code to it. It. You I do to do switch you do what you need to do yeah. to protect yourself yeah and it was really gross especially moving to a place that I consider to be insanely liberal yes <laughs> it.
2: but it's it's hard to tell sometimes people can in one way and say that they're about whatever whatever online but not follow through yeah and and that can be dangerous and devastating in itself by not knowing who's about what and where it's safe
1: yeah yeah so switching gears a little bit let's have our listeners get to know you a little bit better so you've always kind of been involved in community activism in some capacity how did you get started with
2: that, and then where did your passion for it come from? Um, I guess I wanna say I technically started back in local lounge days. Um, and the need comes from like just seeing the needs and wants between people, kind of a hypersensitivity and observation in wanting the community to survive and caring about the community i want to see things work so i want to be able to connect or like pick up where people are dropping things or like if person a needs like a dancer or their house moved and person b has a truck and has been wanting to help i want to connect those things or like if people need spaces or on a simple thing we all as humans like in mental health there's a point in where Kindness can help each other, and being able to like, get through these mental health things, but there's no places to like be able to just use the bathroom or without buying something, or go in a space and exist without doing something, without there be, having these other expectations. And if people had like someone just to listen to them for five minutes or 10 minutes and just be a shoulder to rest on or have some food because maybe that's what they needed for the day just to be able to think correctly. We can be those people. It comes from honestly seeing and experiencing these evils of the world and not not being that. I don't ever want anyone to ever feel any of the feelings I've ever felt. So I, I want to take care of people and make sure that they're loved and cared for and have those spaces to
0: exist in those ways I
1: love that
0: that's beautiful that. yeah so how long had you been involved in local lounge and when did you start kind of going around there and getting involved in the community um I want to say
2: when was that like a few years ago time is weird yeah, yeah uh, it, is, it is it well,
1: is because I because I really look to
0: 2019.
1: 2019 is when we got
0: here, so
1: yeah. um, I know that you were always a little a bit of a part of that story, but I wasn't quite sure when you got involved at that level, so.
2: Right. I never, like, officially worked there. Right. <laughs> it was me just kind of helping and, and seeing what people needed, and it came from a need, and a need to be in my community, yeah. and not – I used to already be that person of where like people lean on or want to help or I want to like just take care of things Um, like in my old job thrift books I would be like in three different departments were fighting over me plus doing the safety meeting and doing the stretches beforehand for like work it's so but for the wrong people and I wanted to be able to do that for my community and the right people and be able to lift up and have those energies because that's what I'm rich right now Not in money, like that's not what it's about, it's about the soul and the people, and being able to work in the way that I work um, and love and care for people and know that I'm not leaving people behind or people are not getting left behind because as queer and POC, we've been fighting already just to exist every day. We can't be fighting each other. We can't be, like, holding on to little whatever-whatevers because actually we all love each other and care about each other and want to exist and want to see this joy for each other. We all deserve that. We've been fighting for that for how long? We deserve that. That's scary because we haven't known that to be safe. But we're creating spaces now, so we can do that.
1: Yeah, that's sad. Gosh, I super agree with that. and I, I do too. The, because the thing is, like, because I have a lot of people in the community who support me and
0: lift me up and raise me up, and then, of course, I have my sprinkle of haters and whatever, but I don't ever really wish
1: negative on them. Like, as queer people, like, like there's that... You said it in a really earlier episode where, like, it was a meme that went viral about how straight people get the option of, like, dating in high school and whatever, so they, like are more developed when they become older and they get to deal with other issues outside of having to, like, struggle with their short sexual orientation. And so queer people are always just a little behind,
0: right? They have a little bit of arrested development.
1: Yeah, arrested development. And so, like, so we're doing all the stuff that most straight folks, did, as cis people, and straight folks did in their teenage years. We're doing it in our 20s, but now we're voting adults and now we're drinking and, like, so, you know, stuff like that. And we have all of that combined.
2: Going through puberty and healing our inner child yeah. and yes. generational traumas, breaking those. Yeah, just yeah. like
1: from like day one, and it just from in our twenties, and that's what really sucks about it because we can actually cause so much harm. Usually, when you're in your teenage years, like usually you can pick yourself up very, fairly quickly. And so I feel like usually queer people in their twenties are just trying really hard to figure out who they want to be and themselves, and will oftentimes make a lot of mistakes that tend to be a little bit louder yeah. because we have. Because we're adults now. We're adults. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to kids. So, and I agree with that because I think that, like, I always tell people, like, the meaning of life is literally just doing the best you can for whatever that picture looks for you. Like, whatever that picture is for you. Because there's not trying to say, like, well, to, like, have money or fame or a family or all these other things. Those are, like, individual ideas. But I feel like people are just trying to do the best they can. Um, and then reach their own goals and dreams as they can. Yeah. yeah.
2: As long as we remind each other to, like, have patience and grace periods for self.
1: Yeah, and kindness and compassion.
2: Yeah, because it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take, like, these small moments and mistakes. That's how we learn from each other. That's how we learn from ourselves what we do and don't like and what aligns with us. But it's also okay to make mistakes. That's the, the thing that I feel like most people have learned when growing up is, like, we've had bosses or people or teachers or parents yell at us when we make a mistake instead of telling us why this is a mistake or what we can learn from this and what we can change from it. We're learning how to do that ourselves as adults. And also another box, I think, is the neurodivergence. We've all been like... Learning on different boxes in different ways that everyone else thinks that we've needed to and then coming into our own and being like Oh, this is how I interact with the earth and this is how I interact with other people None of us know what the fucking social cues are supposed to be it changes from the fucking week Just like Portland's weather like yeah gotta have a spin a night bag
0: for (laughs) Every day Yeah, yeah You kind of talked about it earlier, but since 2020, the passage of time has felt very weird. Um, What ways have you noticed the community change since the pandemic and since everything happened in 2020?
2: I think 2020 gave everyone kind of that, that patience and grace period that I was talking about. Because I'm seeing also within the community and within like this space, giving each other the grace period to learn. We're not demanding people be here. We're not demanding like this or that from each other. We're learning together. Mm. Most of the people that work here are also artists and maybe neurodivergent in some sort of way or have different ways of learning, but we're all working together. It's it's experimental, it's community and co op instead of being one like thing that needs to needs to needs to like right. we're yeah changing and fluid and we're respecting that within each other. A lot of customers like sometimes if maybe some food is coming out late or we're tripping up over our own situations, people are understanding. Customers are are nicer coming out of the pandemic or tipping correctly coming out of the pandemic because we understand that, oh shoot, we're all going through something. We're all going through some of these big things that are scary. This pandemic and it's been a trauma on all of us yeah. that we have to go through it's on top of whatever personal traumas we're going through
1: yeah well and then on top of that like all of us went through trauma like they talk about it you know like with the world trade center like the united states with this traumatic event together which kind of didn't necessarily bring the country together but it was something that we all had an opinion on and we all had that part like we kind of we, trauma bonded in we that trauma <laughs> bond. yeah we <laughs> trauma bonded and i feel like the same thing happened with covid but the really long duration of time to trauma bond about something. Like and I did realize actually after COVID, like especially for drag shows, like people were not adverse to like paying a ten dollar cover to come to a show and whatever. And then like people did start tipping a lot more. Um because like there were so many industries that um because there's a lot of full time drag artists in this community and they like people were willing to give more and people did start like tipping 20s and things like that and I know not everybody had the best financial circumstances during COVID but it felt like people were just trying to give back and especially the service workers I've not I've noticed that people are a little bit kinder like it just feels that people are kinder because they like well one like restaurants were still open at points where they should not have been right (laughs) like I mean in person seating when they should not have been right and and people having, and then they were just exposed. just like grocery store workers.
2: One door dash, delivery, driving. Mm-hmm. And that kind of helps cut down on the exposure, but also put a de- high demand on the restaurants and things oh, that they were going as well. oh,
1: my uh, Yeah, I actually, one of my friends actually told me they were working in Wingstop at the very start of COVID. And they quit, uh, like, I think it was like a month and a half into COVID. And they quit on the spot because the phone just wouldn't stop ringing for orders, and they were overwhelmed, and they couldn't get more workers in, and they literally, he told me, they unplugged the phone from the wall, because it just wouldn't stop ringing. They had like 15, 20 orders, they're getting negative complaints about the wazoo, because people at that time were still expecting, you know, their food to be on time, and uh, you know, they were just
0: hours behind, hours behind. And so, you And well, people
2: aren't taking into consideration
0: all the things that that incorporates. Yeah, I think that time also just exposed a lot of the holes in our system, you know, having workers be that overworked and not having like the safeguards and, you know, they're not being like hazard pay for people and all of the benefits that, you know, should come for the working class was kind of, it was just kind of shown that uh, we deserve better in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah. Or even like the exhaustion burnout and people burning out from working at these high levels of. Of stress sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I was a report to I was a report to work person. Um, even that was incredibly isolating too, because there was nobody in my office buildings. Like there were like literally two of, two two or three of us for like two years. Um, and even though we became really close friends, it was also insanely isolating. And then also, I, like I said, I worked in a very conservative company, and I did bond with those people, but they were both straight, they're both white, they're both cis. Um, and so I was losing my sense of self. And like, if I was having an issue or cause things were still happening, right? The BLM protests yeah. were happening during COVID, right? So I would, there was a comment made and I, I'm okay sharing this on the podcast. There was a comment made, um, at somebody's going away party from one, somebody who doesn't work at the company anymore. Um, they were like, yeah, you should definitely move up to Vancouver and whatever. So you can like get away from all of those protests. And I was like, I I, I looked at them strange. I was like, well, what do you mean? They're like, it's just, like, that's just so bad. Like, like I just, like, they're destroying the city and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, and, because this is what, this is the job that puts food on my table, roof overhead. And so I just, I just sat there and I just looked and stared. And I, and I didn't want to say anything that would go against, like, my blackness, my queerness. And, and so I just stared. I didn't say anything. Um, You were frozen. I was. I was, like, kind of frozen because, like, I don't want to – I didn't – I wanted to move up in the company. I want to be able to provide for my family. And so, like, it's one of those things of, like, that safety, that defense mechanism where I did freeze in the moment, and I really said nothing in return. Um, I just, like, walked away from that moment. And – but there were things – like, there were comments that were made all through the protests, like, from people at work and whatever, where I wouldn't participate. But, like, I kind of hear how they felt about things, and it was – Really alarming. That's
2: isolating and jarring.
1: Oh, it was. Especially, like, so I could go home and, like, me and Donna still have the podcast during that. So I would unpack
0: a lot. Yeah, and me,
1: and it's funny because actually it happens every time. Me and Donna, before we film the podcast, we talk. And we usually talk for like 45 minutes about, well, catching up on each other's
0: lives. Sometimes then... it's the only time that we see each other in a week, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. We both do very separate things. And uh, yeah, since I don't perform um, anymore, since I've like been sober for the last over a year um it's kind of our time to like unpack and just kind of talk to one another and catch up during the week so really a lot of these recordings that you hear of the podcast it's like the only time Coco and I have talked that week (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: which is a positive Yeah. yeah um but before we get into our last few subjects um so we're gonna take a break for our audience members I need to ask Donna how are you doing this evening
0: Oh, Coco, I will let you know after this brief break.
1: Hey, are you kind of sick and tired of going downtown to watch quality drag shows? We're bringing you a specialty drag show to your neighborhood bar at the Montevilla Saloon. It is every last Sunday of the month at 7 o'clock PM, so you can see downtown drag just in your backyard. Located at 8012 Northeast Gleason Street. Once again, that's 8012 Northeast Gleason Street. Be on the lookout for more information.
2: Drag Danger Zone is a monthly showcase featuring new and established performers every month, every fourth Thursday at Mississippi Pizza, located at 3552 North Mississippi Avenue. This fun cabaret variety show is hosted by Marla Darling, Valerie DeVille, and DJ Awara. For ticket info, find us on Instagram at Drag Danger Zone PDX or Facebook at Drag Danger Zone. And get into the zone—the dry danger zone, that is.
0: It's a podcast Check it out. with Coco
2: and Donna. a podcast. Check it out. Tune into what they tell you. Podcast Check it out. with Coco and Donna. a
0: podcast. Check it out. Well, Coco, I am feeling elated because during the break we got to speak with some of our audience members and. Those were some really nice conversations. So I'm happy that we're doing this.
1: Yeah, this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm currently drinking a CBD soda, at the Sober Event. I think that still counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that counts. <laughs> I used to pound these back um, when I was like working at local. Like This is like what I would drink quite frequently,
0: the CBD teas. Do you remember when we didn't know that those had caffeine in them? And we were always so
1: wired. We're like, why
0: can't we not go to bed? <laughs> three Uh, in the morning
1: (laughs) (laughs) and actually that brings me to a moment that I want our I'm going to try to find the photo and I think it's on your Facebook anyway so um, because Astrid is our special guest um, Astrid has a photo that actually went locally viral um, of you holding up the photo of Brianna Taylor Um. in front of local lounge Um, actually I don't know who made that painting or that spray paint art
2: I'm not sure I feel like maybe Eisen got it in
1: Yeah, so there's this picture of Astrid holding it up. um, I might still have it in back here. Do you you have the photo here? I might,
2: yeah. I used it for a recent um, number. (laughs) That's That's awesome.
1: Um, But yeah, I just remember um, that photo just being so iconic, the way it was taken and being in front of all that queerness and whatever, and it was just so beautiful. And so listeners, um, especially for people in the audience right now, um, it'll be on our website at a a gemofasecretpodcast.com. That photo of Astrid holding up the Brianna Taylor um, sign. Sign. Uh, another thing too, which I want to give. Um, this is a really impactful moment for me, and it's actually uh, why why I wanted Astrid to be our first one for our live show is that. Um, so when Local Lounge closed, um, Astrid was actually the person who came out of the Woodward to help me get it closed, right? And it was, um, and me and Astrid actually were there on the very last day,
0: oh, actually. Yeah
1: that it was um, open, we, um, and this is, so I'll say this story, and it's not meant to be offensive or whatever, because that space is reopening, and I don't want to get necessarily kicked out of it, but, like, one thing that happened on that day is that the owner of that space, not the owner of local lunch, but the owner of the actual space, was there, obviously, and this white man, whatever, straight and another woman that I think was with him as well. And yeah. they were like following us around like hawks. And I know that that's their space. They wanted to make sure we weren't like stealing or ransacking the place. But me and Ashley as mm-hmm. black people trying to like get the rest of the stuff out of local lounge, like and being followed around, it almost mm-hmm. felt like we were in like a shopping mall. And, like, the security guard was following us around. Like
2: can I help you? It was like, yeah,
1: seriously. They were just, like, hovering over us the whole time. And I remember afterward, me and Astrid had to debrief. Keep in mind as well, everybody, um, because a lot of people haven't heard this side of the story. We, so that was a queer space and it's closing. It's always down when a queer space closes. Regardless of how people felt about it, when a queer space closes, it's sad. So Astrid was actually taking pictures of the space as well. But they had somewhere to be, so they were rushing us as we were trying to do this last thing. Yeah. So I remember afterwards, me and Astrid were sitting outside by our cars, you know, after we got all the stuff loaded out as quickly as we could, like decompressing over the fact that, one, we're losing a queer space and then its doors closed for the final time. On top of the fact that we felt like it was like a racially, we felt that, like, that racial charge but, in yeah, a way yeah, that yeah. was really gross. And like, we were sitting there talking about it like, like you know, we're like, like, like this, off of us. This
2: happened. Like, like, Why do we have to deal with this? This is always like a thing or experience that's gonna happen. Yeah.
0: We like day to day, and it's exhausting. Well, on top of that, you both, from what I remember, were concerned if the space was going to continue to be a queer space when new ownership came in, right? Yes, and
1: um, it, it it did get bought by a queer person, but at the time, to- obviously not at the time we didn't know.
0: Yeah. And
1: the owner did say. He was open to keeping it a queer space. He didn't say he was going to, remember, capitalism, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But he basically was like, I would love to keep it a queer space. And actually, no, he never said love. I, I'm open to keeping it a queer space. But obviously all this stuff happened, so that's what happened. And luckily, the space did get bought by a queer owner. It should, I think it's going to be opening in the next couple of months. Um, and so, so that is good. But that, those last few moments, and I remember, I, I have nothing but love and thanks for Ashley for being there during that incredibly horrible time, specifically from that incident.
2: Well, and it's a lot, because as, as we were closing, too, we felt the weight of all of that on our shoulders. Like, yeah. I remember, and one of the reasons I came through was because I remember Coco posting about it and being like, hey, these things are closing, these are th- things are happening, can I have some help? And what everybody did first of all was like, can you grab? Can you grab? Can you grab? Can you... did you just not read the post? Did they say anywhere in that that <laughs> they had time to be grabbing this, that, and X for the other? No, get your ass over there and come help. Be a physical presence. No, I And oh, that's so great. that's why I was also like, nah. Okay, bet I'm here. What do you need? What? Let's go.
1: Like, oh, I I actually remember that. I remember I remember feeling that way in that moment too with Astrid because I. Astrid showed up to help move whatever and stay as long as necessary when a lot of the other people were like um, I remember and it's because some of them listen to this it wasn't anything negative in that capacity but like some person was like grab the wheelchair that we left there grab this I left my boots I left my coat I left this I left that I left this I left that and I was like I'm just gonna grab whatever and go for it and like because there's still a lot of stuff that um is still in the basement at me and Donna's house actually from local because we just had to grab everything. But we did actually, um, so everybody on the internet knows, um, you know all of that beautiful black artwork that was hanging in local for the last like six or seven months that it was open, um, that all did get returned safely to the owner. So that that stuff was so beautiful. And I remember, this is just a cheeky story, Uh, when they came by the house to pick it up because there was that... um, because they had, like, the Marsha P and whatever, like, they had all these black icons and whatever, and I was like, gosh, I'd really love that, thinking, like, I'd get this, like, I know, it was, just, it was, it was crappy, so I think I was gonna get, like, this finder's fee, but, like, be like, hey, I saved all of your beautiful artwork, how much would that one be? Because it was hanging at local for, like, I think, $500, yeah. and, like, I was like, oh, I kind of really want that one, and they looked at me, and they're like, it's $500 I was
0: like oh, well damn they wow. <laughs> and like it's, they're gonna cut you a deal
1: I know I thought they'd cut me a deal and the thing is I never want to devalue anyone's art because that art was beautiful but they're like well I'm gonna have cheaper prints that I'll make available and maybe I can give you one of
2: those <laughs> <laughs> right but you did put some
0: energy into that and like, in the
2: closing of local that was the other part of it was, it was a lot of energy that came onto us and yeah. that we didn't have time to process us them pushing us out and like watching us like rushed that process we didn't get to like really be like fuck look at what's happening look at like this building this energy like the number of people that have either fallen on this floor done a nice drop or like yeah. have had their firsts here have had like yeah. a lot
0: my first show that i ever saw in portland was at local lounge yeah, actually, that was Black, Black Magic.
1: Yeah, it was Black Magic. Um, which actually... is coming back to the Queen's Head. Yeah, we are at the Queen's Head right now, so we can actually promote this show. But Black Magic, um, it will probably have had its first... No, no, no. No, it will not have had its first show by the time this airs. So on May 13th, I believe the date is, is when Black Magic is returning. It is returning to the Queen's Head, where we're currently at right now. It starts at 9 o'clock p.m. There is a cover for the show... Um, it's going, they, uh, Rogue Storm Safari produces that show and she brought back the original host and DJ, which includes me and Devlin Lynn Phoenix. So we're going to be back hosting together, which we're so excited. And I always said to people in the community that black magic is like, it's like my church a little bit. Like just being like, um, this is actually a good segue to say this. Like, so black magic for me has always been a really beautiful moment because halfway through the show, I'd always take a moment to like, talk about what was happening with like Black trans women or uh, the BLM movement or Don't You PDX or just something like that, just like a, what, any of those organizations or the Black Resilience Fund or Brown Hope. And like it was just a great way to like talk about our art. And then also Black Magic, for those of you who don't know what it is, uh, it also gives an opportunity for traditional black music in drag that isn't necessarily celebrated at some of the other shows. So like if somebody wants to do some like underground Missy Elliott music or whatever, like it'll be really well received there. So I'm super happy that it's coming back coming back. Please everybody come out to the first ever, you know, Black Magic here at the Queen's Head on May thirteenth. Woo Whoa. Yeah.
0: That's so cool. On my yeah, Ooh. absolutely.
1: <laughs> so um Getting back to Astrid. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of just promoting that show. Um, so one thing, so you kind of, you currently, do you work for the Queen's Head right now? in some capacity? Yes. Okay, so what do you do for the Queen's Head? And then why did you also want to join up starting to work here?
2: Um, my position is technically the Jack of all trades. Um and a I nice kind title. Of, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Full deck of cards here. Yeah, um, <laughs> <a full house. laughs> um, and it started off with wanting to like help as a door person and wanting to like move where like the the door was and kind of like stand in a better way because I felt the way some of the door person stuff was a little like lax feeling with how people walked in. So I wanted to literally protect the space That's and awesome. and stand in front of it. And then um, I'm kind of. I like to help and I can't help it like I literally can't help it like we'll try to bust tables or try to like pick up stuff here and there and I think that's kind of how I moved into that was seeing the intent behind the help and wanting to to be there for the space in those ways and and pick up on those those little things and being neurodivergent, being able to work and exist in that way because I kind of almost work best in that way of being able to roll along and pick up things as I go. So being able to have that position so I can create and like keep these spaces and also, because we're gonna have a 501c3 and um, be able to like have some artist residencies and productions and the sober. So I have a sober brunch coming up you should check your email, by the way, down. Okay,
0: I will check that.
2: <laughs> um, but we have sober brunches coming up and events where sober queers can, can also come and be here. And I want to, again, connect the spaces. So a big part of that is it takes a village, right? Yeah. How many spaces do we get to have sober queers or queers who drink as well? Or elder yeah. queers along with the younger queers passing along knowledge, keeping the culture, telling these stories, talking like we're talking now about what's important and and how to interact with each other. We're still learning like how all of this works and we have a lot of history. So we need to be able to, to teach each other and and not just because, you know, things aren't necessarily linear linear with our times and our elders mm-hmm. as as well. We can learn from each other. Younger people can learn from the adults and vice versa as we're all like going through these changes in different parts in our journey. We can, by seeing each other exist in our realness, I am finding it inspires other people to, to live in their realness. And that in itself is wild to me and also beautiful. Like someone coming up to me and being like, Thank you for for doing this number or this drag thing or just existing in your space because now I maybe want to do some drag or maybe I want to go by this pronoun or maybe I want to come to this space and like dress up because I feel like I'm lit and I can do that now. But being a part of that is is wild, but I also crave. That's, again, what like feeds my my soul is knowing that people can come here and feel that safe to exist because that's how I come back to here when I'm dealing with any of those the Nazi stuff or the bullshit. I can come here and know okay, I can just exist and decompress from all the bullshit and be in a space where people get it.
1: Yeah. I, that's, gosh, you know, I, um, I had been feeling, um, and I I, I agree with that, like, when I come to this space, when I could, so for me, like, I was um, really struggling with my gender identity
0: recently and, like, labels that I like felt comfortable and, Um they have they did a the big trans
1: party here that was super, super successful. Um, in the sense of like the community of trans people that were here. Yeah. Um, and so when I came with my partner, um, we were dancing. Um, I had a great conversation with Angie Tifa on the patio and like met a bunch of other like trans folks and like people on the um like from gender fluid to whichever, and like it was really beautiful, um, just to like be in that space, and I felt really safe and comfortable in that. And so I've had that space. But then I did a show recently, and I don't actually know if the space is still open, but I it wasn't recently, but it was a couple of months back. We did um, part of the Kwanzaa celebration. We did a thing at R&RE, um, and Arinari is a black-owned co-op space. And there's something that is to be said about black-owned and whatever, and and she was just, like, her heart was, like, everything that you talk about. Like, it was such in the right place, and, like, she just really wanted this space to be something greater than herself, and it was just so beautiful about how, like, when we were in there, because we did a black comedy show there, and everybody was just, it was such a cool thing. And everybody just felt that blackness, so that was great.
2: Imagining that many like, people laughing in a room and existing in joy, uh,
1: chef's kiss, like... (laughs) Well, and that's what actually was cool about what we did for the Kwanzaa celebration, actually, as well, is that, um, because I think we did the stand-up thing here for Kwanzaa, as well, and, like, so all the black comedians that Dahlia Bell got to come out was just, like, really beautiful. Like it just really was so cool just to be in that and everybody was like laughing and having a good time and like being in those spaces. So yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about because there is a – We talked. Me and Don have talked about this recently. Like taking that armor off because like recently we were in a for sure. And actually, I'll just say it because I don't mind. We were in a bad roommate situation recently. We were. <laughs> so, that was stressful. That was stressful. And like we, and we um. We and Donna very much, like, we might have a party every once in a while at the house, but we take our armor off at home. Like, it's all off. Like, we live in the spaces, like, you know, like, from, like, marijuana to, like, drinking or just, like, being in your spaces, reading and feeling safe and comfortable. Like, and yes, you want that in public, but, like, we lost that in our home, and that was, oh we need to be able to have that
2: space to take those self-care moments to recuperate from everything that we're dealing
1: with I know, and it's such an interesting dynamic talking about safe spaces in the realm of safe spaces in the realm of queernom to be able to take those armors off and that's what sucks about when those spaces kind of get co-opted in that way Yeah. yeah,
0: definitely definitely, I also, like speaking of armor, you know, like since i have not been drinking over the last like i said over the last over a year now um i found that it is a lot harder for me to perform just with my nerves and like be with my nerves as an entertainer
2: Ooh, who are you telling it's so,
0: <laughs> i'm like i realized when we were at the show here just um how long ago was that now a little over a month, a month ago a little about, yeah. yeah um i was so much shakier and like trying to like harness that and get that under the control and like use that energy to benefit me is still something that I'm learning how to do because I spent the lean in. Yeah, Yeah. the lean in. Yeah.
2: You end up using that like literal vibration of fucking atoms like in your stomach to like push that out into your act and into the drag. Which can be so much more empowering and beautiful in its own way of that's a part of the sobriety, right? Is is feeling your emotions and and getting through them and kind of the, assessing them in those ways
1: mm-hmm. is it because you're currently sober right yeah so is it about hard, a year Is it hard working and, oh, congratulations yes um, congrats. absolutely congrats uh, is it hard working in a bar um, actually the funny thing is I've had a lot of friends who were sober to work in bars but like let's just talk about your specific journey is it difficult like being in bar spaces um, with being sober
2: not really. I I feel really? like that's such a funny like a feeling, but um. No, not really. There's the only <laughs> thing every once in a while that like maybe hard is like, when I'm bussing and I like dump out some of the the shots. And I'm like, oh, that was Esplund. Does does yeah. not have that thought right now. Okay, and yeah. then get back to it. But. You know, you you readjust. Like, yeah. You've had those maybe times where you're like... Oh, yeah. You think about it. You feel guilty about thinking about it. And then you're like, okay, I can go through. But again, it's the awareness of your feelings. Yes. And it's okay to have those feelings, whether they're negative feelings or good feelings. But as long as we're watching them as they process through
0: and not getting in a spiral. About yeah. Finding, finding, like, proper ways to cope in the moment, too, I found. Because I, I found that, especially when you're at a show... And you're out in the scene like a lot of chaos can be happening whether it's you know someone else's energy or you just come with like the wrong energy for that night like I find that it's really easy to try and numb that out by just going to the bar and getting a drink and now trying to find like healthier coping mechanisms instead of doing that different tools yeah different tools like creating a toolbox that equips me with those to deal with those situations
2: and sometimes it's for me, I've noticed sometimes it's little things like taking a smoke or a little bit of a CBD or weed break yeah. before work and remembering to do that because also once you get in certain routines, if you break that routine, that might trigger you yeah. a little or that might make you feel caught up in... Because it's kind of also like anxiety, right? When you yep. There's some times where you can see it and catch it and be like, oh, okay, here are these tools. Let me grab them. Let me decompress. And there are other times where... You're like, oh shit, I'm having the anxiety and I can see it happening, yeah. and there's nothing I can do about it, but you, you're just in it. Yeah, and those are also okay. We're, we're not meant to be perfect, unlearning some behaviors and habits it isn't going to happen overnight. No, but it's okay to be aware of them and learning also to like lean on your community, it's and being able to be like, hey. I'm feeling this way today. Can I? Can we just talk about different stuff? Or can we like go eat a bagel? Or yeah. like whatever tool you might need to do? Even if I it's need just to do like a walk, I think. but. Just text me sometime. Okay, yeah. I will. Yeah, yeah I, I, lean I, I, on yeah, me. I try to be. I try
0: to be too independent. I think when it comes to struggling with those things, so I like to like suffer in silence a lot of the time. I'm an Aries. I've li- Same. Oh, okay, so I see you. That's yeah. Stubborn stubbornness and yep.
1: I'm Surprised I can fit on the it's stage. of okay, Aries energy. The... She's a Cancer, so she
0: doesn't. She doesn't get us. <laughs>
2: Gosh. Oh, my mom's a cancer. That makes
1: sense.
0: By the way, balancing
2: us out, you know, it's, it's just steamy up here. All right.
0: You know, the two signs most likely to be comedians are Aries and Cancer. So we're funny people. Yeah, we're funny people. <laughs> Especially if we're all smoking. Yeah. Yeah. So as we so um,
1: as we get to our allotted time that we've had for the space, um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to ask you as we wrap up. Um, one, if you got into a bar fight, it's the question we ask all of the people that we interview. <laughs> for those who are, wow, it's nice to see people who listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, if you got into a bar fight, um, pick two artists from the Portland drag community that you would want on your side to help you win and why?
2: Okay. I don't know if you're going to be ready for this answer or, for, <laughs> or if it's a weird answer. Um, I would pick nobody because I would not want to ask to put anybody else in danger. Again, I protect my community, so I would not want anyone else to handle that situation but myself. And another question I think, or answer to things is just because I am also a quiet and sensitive person and feeling and caring person, does not mean I'm weak. I have my and own power. So I'm not worried about what's happening or what's coming in here. Okay, I'm also from a woods. All right, so not, I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm here to protect and I, I care. So I will bring what's needed. But Astrid said, I don't need help. I mean, it's, it's in the name. It's kiss my Astrid. You can either be sweet about it in the kiss my Astrid way, or like, are we going? Like, so is, you're like,
0: I could take these ears off real fast. Yep. Well, there's <laughs> <Ready>. that <Aram's laughs> energy right there. Let's go. <laughs> these ones is ready.
1: Oh my gosh. I oh, I live for this. <laughs> Ashley said, I'm from Wichita Woods.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Okay,
0: <laughs>
2: Woo. that was
1: good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, oh, so also, we probably should just promote this. So, usually, after every a Jump of Secret podcast live that we're going to do on the first um, Thursday of the month here at the Queen's Head. Immediately following is always the Cutie Show, which is hosted by Ann L. Fisher. uh, Which is a it's kind of like an open call um, contest show for people in the community to come out and like see if they can win some cash money. So that's always going to be happening after. So I wanted to give some shout out to that. And then last but not least. This
2: is real cash money, guys. Come on, do this. It's like comedy, burlesque. Like, yeah that's yeah. half of rent come on y'all <laughs> <laughs> that is half of rant. be for real <laughs> so um, is there anything that you want to
1: promote and then also tell the kids your social media
2: um i guess if there's anything i want to promote it will be the sober brunches that are going to be happening and brunches that are going to be happening um which will be s- sundays or oh, 11 to 4 i believe Okay. I'll have to double check the, the program for that but um, yeah they'll be coming and it's the bar is all ages till nine yes um, so that that will be there and the food will be ready soon we're getting some things in the, the works for like Cute. coffees and other sober drinks it's not just here's a Red Bull situation we have I you know, that. cocktails mocktails and we want to bring the families, bring like kids, the younger generations, your found families, it's however that yeah. looks, however those dynamics are. We want to have that also space for people, again, to exist, like this is where we need to be. We don't have these places anywhere else, so come and just exist in that, however
1: that is for you. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. And then what are your social media?
2: Um, for Facebook, you can find me under Astrid Stark, or I think if you type in "kiss my Astrid" and the same for my Instagram. Nice.
1: Perfect. Uh, can you spell "kiss my Astrid" for the Instagram folks?
2: K I Z M Y A S T R I D.
1: Perfect. And then also, I'll have all of Astrid's uh, social media listed on the website at thegemandsecretpodcast dot um, uh, Thank you, audience, everybody, for coming. Yeah, this one. Thank you for being here.
0: Yeah, so at
1: this point, Tony, have any final words?
0: I don't. I just want to say thank you so much for being our first guest. Um, that's pretty much it. I appreciate you, and this was lovely. This was super lovely getting to chat with you. And.
1: Very similar fashion to how we chat all the time anyway. (laughs) I
2: I love seeing you every time. Like, we're both so busy and, like, hard to find. But when we do meet each other, we meet each other on that hit different level of, like, oh, Uh, we've been, oh, got you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you are always a vibe. You're always, like, we're always just sitting outside somewhere or the hugs or just even the small waves as we see each other on the street. And I've always really appreciated you. And I've always appreciated just your outlook on life in general. It's always been very fierce and forward. And I love that. And then also, you've also been... Girl, when I want to vent about black issues or queer issues or gender identity issues or just any of that stuff, like you're always just downed, and that's really cool because you, you're you one of the things that um, somebody said this about at my grandmother's funeral. and I think this really applies to you that you leave space for people, um, you just leave a lot of space for people, and I think that that's beautiful. So, thank you, and I'm really excited about your wrenches. um For all the listeners out there um, on the podcast line, remember that this event is actually a sober event. Um, on the first Thursday of the month. So if you are sober and want to come out and participate, and also they have a lot of food because it's Portland and they have to serve food. So keep in mind, and the food is actually really good here at the Queen's Yeah. So I think that's it,
0: everybody. I think it is. Everybody in the audience, say bye. Bye. This has been another episode of a Gem of a Secret podcast. The hosts of A Gem of a Secret podcast are Donna and Coco Gem Holiday. You can follow Donna at Donatella underscore my secrets on Instagram.
1: You may follow Coco Gem Holiday at Coco Gem Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at Touche Likes Beef and Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more content, Follow them online at www.hmofasecretpodcast.com That is www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com